Welcome back. This is the Road Trip Playlist Podcast. I am Thomas Darrow, and I am your host. I'm so, so excited about this week's episode. My guest is the incredible Kishibashi. Kishibashi is one of my favorite artists of all time. He's been on my interview bucket list for a very, very long time and is one of the best concerts that I've ever seen live. We talk a little bit about that concert in this interview today. I'm excited for you to hear this episode. We talk about his new EP, Emigrant, if flunking out of Cornell was the best thing to ever happen to him, how he got his start on tour with Regina Spector, and more. Stay tuned after a quick word from our sponsor. Thanks. Okay, I'm recording. Yep. Okay, awesome. Well, I have to tell you, this is a true pleasure for me because you've been top of my bucket list. I have a note in my phone of bucket list interviews, and Kishi Bashi <laughs> is in the top five, probably, of people that I want to talk to. And so this is really cool. cool. it's called the road trip playlist podcast and no music goes along better to some of the the drives that i've done than um kishibashi so it's a pleasure to have you thanks it's great to be the uh machu picchu of your bucket list uh, (laughs) interviewees you know that's on my that's on my bucket list i already went there last last year but okay that's amazing um I, I like to start off by asking where it is the Road Trip Playlist podcast. What is on your Road Trip Playlist podcast? What's on wow. your Road Trip Playlist? <laughs> my Road Trip Playlist. Okay, my daughter, I have a 15-year-old and I've done road trips. With her road trip, her playlist is vastly different than mine. Um, <laughs> does not include any of my songs, of course. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I listen to, I, I do like a lot of classic rock, you know, and funk and stuff. I'll, I'll, I'll jump between that and like contemporary stuff and then, I also listen to a lot of podcasts, like not okay. music, you know, about same. science and stuff. Yeah. Okay. Same here. What's a podcast you've been listening to? I mean, I love Radiolab and I listen to This American Life too. Uh, definitely Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Okay. Basically any NPR thing. I'll <laughs> so good. So good. That's actually how I was introduced to you, oddly enough, is NPR a few years ago. So um, oh, that's cool. awesome. Um but I saw that you recently, like you, you mentioned your road trip with your daughter, you guys went on, on a road trip of your own. And, and I wanted to ask, how was that? Because um, you came home with some songs for, for your recently released EP. I mean, it's amazing. Like I got to see, you know, cause if you're, if you're touring a lot, you go to the major cities and you don't really get a chance to, to see nature that much. Yeah. You know? So this time, you know, I went through like South Dakota and places well, I'm sure bands play in South Dakota, but not in the Black Hills, you know, like where yeah. Mount Rushmore is and stuff, you know. So I got to to camp out and, and really see America, like the raw wilderness, you know, a lot, which is something you don't, you know, you tour as a musician, you tour, but you don't, you don't get to see a lot of that. You don't have that luxury sometimes. Totally. Um, and, and you were writing along the way. Was this planned that you were going to, that it was going to be inspiration for, for your EP or did that just happen? Uh, I think it's a combination of both. You know, I'm I'm a firm believer that, you know, inspiration can strike anywhere. So it's, you just always, as long as you're content and happy and, and sometimes bored, you know, so <laughs> like that's, that's, that's the best way for your mind to start playing, you know, so um, I, I'm always receptive to that. Absolutely. Um, I love that so much. And I have loved, I've been obsessed since you released um, the new Emigrant EP. Um, it's a sister project to Omoyari. I wondered if you had planned to have these work as companions before or if it just kind of happened with this road trip. I think um, it's definitely a continuation of, uh, you know, using history to inspire uh, songs, 
So in, in that aspect, it's, it's, it's a companion piece, but you know, the, the I went way folkier with this album. So that's, <laughs> that's definitely as a music thing. I don't know. It's, it's a departure in my head, at least. Yeah, absolutely. I, I read about how some of that folk in the bluegrass kind of instrument or influence came from like remembering something you studied at Berkeley college with the sixties and seventies Japanese bluegrass scene. And I thought how that tied together was really, was really cool. Yeah. That's um, yeah. I mean, I remember my, my old teacher mentioning, he's like, do you, you know, there's a lot of like skill, like burning bluegrass players in Japan. I'm like, nah, I don't believe you, but and I looked it up and it, yeah, I mean, they're just as good as anybody else, you know? Uh, and it's just interesting I think like 20 years at, later, like now that I'm, I'm like, oh, maybe I don't have to be from Kentucky, you know, to play bluegrass music or stuff like that. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and I've loved the overall sound of the album and how it came together. Can you explain kind of how you ended up choosing to go with the bluegrass folky sound that you did? Well, I I, also, I relied a lot on my musicians this time, which is something it took. It takes me a while, you know, to get used to letting other musicians dominate, not dominate, but at least like contribute to the extent that they have. And so I had some awesome, you know, this banjo player, Tall Tall Trees, who I've toured with, but never really recorded with, you know. Oh, and so, interesting. Yeah. And so it's like, hey, you play banjo. Why don't we just uh, go all full mountain on this music you know <laughs> and uh and he was happy to do that and i had some other great musicians cicada rhythm and then um and a cellist and i decided to do no drums so it's kind of like that's that's how the sound evolved yeah wow it's so interesting i i was curious i related very much so i was reading an interview of yours and you talked about collaborating and and working with other artists and one of the things was that it's like You've done a you've done a lot by yourself because of um, because of just being self conscious of your work and people not kind of getting it the way that that you do and I am that way so much and so how has it been since early in your career doing and and the live show being a lot of solo um, looping and all that to now as you said tall tall trees that was um, one of the it was the best concert I've ever been to when I saw you in Salt Lake City um wait did you see it though when it was just crazy wild people just jumping up and down and screaming <laughs> that was it october october 3rd 20 last year yeah yeah that was probably the wildest show of um there's a lot of uh i think there's a lot of like sober mormon energy in the crowd <laughs> that would just, just pushed it to the limit of the roof you know the energy <laughs> level and it was not i've never ever seen a show like that with that kind of enthusiasm so you just you said you saw something really special that night yeah you kept you kept saying that it was the best all tour and it, it was i well i say that a lot <laughs> yeah that's what i was wondering i'm like oh i figured i figured that was that so it's cool hearing because that that night was just so special it was one of like i wrote about it that night and it was just such a beautiful experience with with your music i was like moved and frequently go back to um violin tsunami on on my videos i go back that night because i was really moved when um you did that show the opener takenobu was so good that night so it was oh, a yeah. one of the best shows i've ever seen and so that's i think we played like violin tsunami in the audience yes maybe right yeah that's like a special thing i can only do when i have the takenobus 
you know, because <laughs> Catherine, the violinist, is is amazing. So, I oh, that it, yeah, yeah, it was so good. So I love that you remember that show being just as good. And yes, it was a Mormon sober energy um, all throughout the night, <laughs> and there was jumping. It was, it was crazy. I mean, yeah, it was it was a really special moment. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so what what is it like? Because I loved the collaboration of that night, as you talked about Catherine with Takenobu with with the violin, tall, tall trees. I was right in front of him as he was playing like the banjo with a violin string. And it was insane. And um, Pip the Pansy, all these people where it was just it was incredible. And so how has it been from going from kind of the solo, the solo stuff to all now opening up and, and doing the collaboration. Yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, if you look at my progression, I basically had a rock band in the, in the two thousands and then, and then I went, and then I basically brushed it all clean, you know, kind of the band broke up and then I went, I started solo. And so I built from that. And so in the beginning it was just me. And then I had this motto of like, don't lose money on tour. And so, so I kind of, <laughs> I had to, well, but, you know, if you're solo, you can't, it's really hard to lose money if you're just one person, you know? And so I started with that motto and I, Mike was my first hire, Tall Tall Trees. And then I kind of built it from there. And, but, uh, but I know a lot of people kind of like to see me do my solo stuff. So even when I have a larger band, I can always, I always reserve a portion of the show so that I can do a couple solo songs you know, just by myself. And then yeah. that's part of the arc of the show. I love, yeah, I loved the balance of that and wanted to make sure that I noted that because I, when I was reading the the Reddit AMA you did and also this, it seemed like I had only seen, I had never been to a purely solo one. Um, and then I loved the collaboration and I also loved the balance of when you were, when it was just you. And so I love that you do make time to to do both. Oh yeah. And, and I love to feature the musicians too. Like if I have, you know, oh, you, you can play flute. Oh, oh you can do this and Oh, you can do that. You know, I, I like to feature like Mike plays. He's an awesome bass player, you know, tall, tall trees. Yeah. He's playing bass for like probably half the show, but before he barely ever played bass, you know, and he's like, Oh, Oh yeah. You can slap bass. You listened to Primus <laughs> in the nineties. So why don't we have a little slap bass section here for you? I think we did a little slap bass. That was one bass. of the, that was one of the things I noted in my article um, that you wrote part of the thing that I think added to the magic of that night and the beauty of that night slap bass was, <laughs> was, <laughs> like was slap how bass. much you celebrated all of the artists that were there. It was a perfect collection of, of that. So, but yes, the slap bass was, was part of that. I think that's when I crowd surf. Yep. Like, it was slap bass. So, and I got this crane. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, you have your motto, don't wait, don't lose money on tour. I have a motto for all you can eat buffets, don't lose money at buffets. And so yours is probably <laughs> much smarter than mine. Don't lose, does anybody lose money at buffets? Like the person who doesn't want to go to a buffet, who just doesn't want to eat that much, probably loses yeah. money on tour, on, at a buffet, right? Yeah, they're there for when, they, I mean, I always feel like I lose money at a buffet. Like my dad trained me poorly. It was like, <laughs> what we like would save up he was he was an alcoholic never had money but when he would take us when we would visit his house this weekend and he was taking us anywhere you could tell it was like a big deal because it was one of the only times especially like that we ate good when we went to his house for the weekend well and so wait but so, did you get um uh, that's the only time you ate good what um that sorry <laughs> that you were oh uh, no i wasn't meaning i was like oh should hungry. i say this or should i not yeah. but <laughs> no well, do you have it down to a science? Like how many plates do you need to eat to, to make up, um, to make, to beat the buffet house? 
Oh, that's yeah. what I should work on. I should work on an, some sort of algorithm that it's like, okay, this is how you want. But I think once you just get every, you have to try a little bit of everything. So you get like your favorites on each dish. Mm. Um, at the time for this breakfast buffet, they had these money hash browns. And so I had to keep the hash browns on each dish, but then I would try like the eggs or this. It's been a while since I've been to a buffet and it seems weird after a pandemic even going to a buffet <laughs> and serving myself that way. But that's one of my mottos. Don't lose money on a buffet or a season pass. If I buy a season pass anywhere, game yeah. over, I'm doing like 10 trips. Wait, so how much is a breakfast buffet? I feel like that's kind of intense. Oh, like I feel two. like like 15, 16. It depends where you are. $16? I live in, I live in New York now. Utah uh, is probably like eight. Yeah. Even like for, bre- yeah, $16. Well, actually New York is just nuts, but yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, sixteen dollars. Uh, you got to eat a lot of, a lot of huevos. You know, exactly. To get that. To get uh, that money back. But yeah, you have, you have to do it. So, um, but yeah, so that's one of my mottos <laughs> that I had to share with you. Um, but I, I had noted we're, we're approaching the two-year anniversary of uh, Omoyari, and it's such a powerful and important album. It was praised as uh, being profound, a profound empathy by NPR, like we talked about NPR earlier. Um, what was that process like creating the album for you and um, learning the history of these Japanese American internment camps more like at the level that you did? And while seeing similar things going on in the world today, that had to be kind of heavy. Uh yeah, I mean, it's it's it was a it was a long stretched out process of you know I'm still working on this movie. Uh, the companion piece to the album is actually the movie, and so of the same name, and uh, it's a stretched out process process of you know just really learning a lot of history, going to the locations, talking to survivors, kind of getting a, and then you know getting a modern context of how this has shaped you know our society or how it's how it's not shaped our society, and and we're still making the same mistakes again, but. I think, uh, yeah, it's uh, all along the time, you know, I'm also touring and it's a, it's, a, it's just a lot of uh, very measured growth on my end. That's the way I see it. You know, I, I grew as, an, as a human being as I learned about like the awful things we continue to do to each other, you know, and then, Absolutely. yeah, and then, uh, you know, but all the while making music. And so a lot of my music, the songs, some of them are, you know, at first, when you're talking about an injustice, you know, you think it's you're it's all negative. But um, a lot of my songs are really positive, and so I I like a lot of times I like to focus on, you know, finding the humanity in all these situations, or like how we are, you know, being grateful for, you know, our our place now, you know, as opposed to being um, incarcerated unjustly in the past. And so I don't know, it's a it's a it's a long process, but. Actually, I don't remember what your question was, but <laughs> no, no, that's perfect. Absolutely. And that's one of the things that I think you, you do beautifully is turn it to, to kind of more hope filled. And I'm thinking of times when I've written things that were heavier and it took me to a place that was like, while I was working on this piece where it was kind of hard and it was like, wow, this is terrible. And so now that it's like, I think the way that you, you've turned that and, and flip it and the growth that you experience and also present in your in your art is incredible and i wanted to ask about the film um what can what can you tell me about the film with its release as the companion with the um song film and and as the true companion to the album 
Yeah, I mean, uh, the idea of song film was that they were supposed to be released together, <laughs> but <laughs> movie, you know, albums don't take four years, four or five years to make, you know, so yeah. movies, this documentary is, is a beast, you know, because it's, it's about World War II history, it's about minority identity, and it's about my travels as making, you know, music, so it's, it's a big, you know, to make that into a really interesting movie is, is, has proved to be difficult, but we hope to wrap it up this summer, and then, um, yeah, it'll be out after that, and then um, it'll make sense. <laughs> My album will make sense. After it's it's so incredible, and I've been so excited to to watch it since I first heard you talk about it at that show, um, and what I read online. Um, how how do you feel the film has become even more important in the last year with the rise that we've seen in anti Asian hate crime? and things going on in the world even more since that album was released how is the how has the work that you're doing become that much more powerful and important well i think um you know a lot of it was focused on immigration before because that was because you know trump was really making it hard for um immigration and there was a lot of like islamophobia and anti uh like xenophobia that was really resurfacing but then i think so there's an urgency to kind of release it while he was in office. But then ultimately, um, the more I look at this film, it's really a survey on the Japanese American minority identity in America, like pretty comprehensive, you know? So it's, I think it's, it's very uh, reflective of just changing society. You know, American society is really changing to become like, you know, the America of the past of the fifties, you know, um, blonde, blue eyed, all American, guy you know that's completely changed it's really shifting right now and i think this um this movie will actually reinforce that idea i'm definitely i'm you know i'm sold on this this my worldview that you know american you know like uh, i'm just becoming more comfortable in my own skin as an american like an asian american you know and that's kind of reflective of of society and then it'll it'll show in this film so wow i'm i'm very much looking forward to it um what kind of what's the research level that that's gone into it is it as i love that i'm i'm not wanting to talk just about the film and especially it's nice where it, it is a companion but i feel like it's reflected over this history is reflected over the the album the ep and the film what, what what's the research been like for you i know you've read a lot you've talked to individuals that were in the in these camps is that correct yeah um you know that's it's it's really interesting that's a really big question <laughs> uh the research is like you know there's nothing groundbreaking that i'm doing you know i'm not uncovering anything but i'm very what i'm doing is i'm distilling a message of of kind of you know solidarity amongst minorities you know to uplift us and then also to to help as like asians to help uh, more marginalized communities you know uplift them too and also you know, the idea that I, I still believe the world is getting less and less violent, you know, you know, it's, it's hard to imagine that, you know, like, like, especially if you're like a Palestinian in Gaza right now, you know, yeah. but, but even said so, you know, it's like, it's the kind of thing that once you have that peace, when you're not, when you're not fighting for your life, that you can do things that, that greatly improve society, like improving the lives of marginalized communities, you know, and I think that's, that's the kind of thing that um, I deeply believe in. Um, what was the question? <laughs> I'm just sorry. I'm just staring at a light. 
him. Oh no, it was it was just about the the research and oh the, um, yeah, the how you were you the people you've talked to and some of the things that oh, you're yeah. excited for people to hear. Yeah, I'm I'm really um, I want people to to get a positive to feel good about America. Like not especially if you're like a white person and you watch this movie. I I don't want you to feel afraid and be like pissed off, like they're you know like that your world is ending, you know, like and uh, I think it's. As an Asian person, if you watch this movie or a minority, you know, you feel excited about how America is changing, you know. So for I, I think it's like a combined message. And a lot of the research, even when I was talking to Japanese American, like survivors, they were talking about how, you know, they're not bitter. They're not bitter about it anymore. You know, it's just a, it's a lot of healing has happened, a lot of forgiveness, but a lot of stuff had to happen so that they could get that healing. You know, and that, yeah. I think that's a message that couldn't always be related too no that's a that's extremely powerful that's i i this is my third time saying i'm very much looking forward to it and um what was it was so what how specifically i guess this isn't really about the music but what's it like going on a cool cross-country road trip like that with your 15 year old daughter that's amazing i went on a cross-country road trip this year too and it's one of my favorite memories uh it's beautiful i mean america is just so vast it's beautiful it's like a wide open space is really like put you in this like humble place. I think that makes you feel like a part of the universe, you know? And I think that's why people love nature. It's also interesting to be like, Oh, America is so vast, but a lot of, <laughs> you know, if you don't have water, I was like thinking, you know, like a lot of these internment camps are out in the middle of the desert, you know, yeah. and there's like sagebrush and it's pretty uninhabitable unless you have water. And that's Absolutely. like, uh, yeah. And that's how like America is shaped. It's shaped around the rivers and access to water. And that's something I didn't really realize until I was driving around being like, well, nobody lives out here. <laughs> I wonder why, you know? <laughs> yeah. It like opens up your eyes to parts of when you think of specific States, you don't think of those, those parts of land that are just there and uninhabitable. Like, yeah. Except Vegas, which is kind of yeah. weird. <laughs> <laughs> somehow that, that somehow that, yeah, somehow. <laughs> um, I wanted to talk talk briefly about, I love talking to people about their path to music because I find it very interesting. Your your path was really interesting to me as well as um, you didn't, you've always classically trained musician, always been like really good at the violin, but you didn't know you could make a living with it. And so then you went to Cornell um to study engineering and that didn't work out is that one of the best things that happened to you would you say (laughs) failing out of cornell was yeah yeah i think so because i think um i would have been a very if i had stuck through it i would have been a very mediocre engineer and still passionate about music and you know it's like i was spending so much time even at cornell like playing in a band and working on songs and playing my violin and um yeah, it's, it's the kind of thing where, I don't know, I was like 18. I don't even remember what that was like, but it was terrifying to think that you have no future, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and to think, I didn't think that music was a future, a possibility until, uh, I don't know, it's it's a, t- it's a tough life, you know, being a musician, but it's also a great life, you know, because yeah. you're in touch with your heart. So. Yeah, and, and do you remember at all? What was it like that ended up after being, okay, I'm going to really pursue music and you ended up going to Berkeley and studying film scoring, but 
what was it like? Was it like a scurry type desperation type feel to like, okay, now I'm going to make music work or, or what was the process? Do you remember of yeah. when you changed? <laughs> you mean when I got that letter of academic probation <laughs> yes, uh, sir. from the engineering department? Uh, I think, uh, yeah, I was just going to fart around in Ithaca with a band. <laughs> My dad was like, called us out. You must get a degree. And I was like, <laughs> He's like, if you have a college you want to go to, and of course I was scoping out Berkeley because uh, basically this, the, at the time, the only person to teach jazz improvisation on violin was this guy, Matt Glazer in Boston. And so that was the only place you can go to study jazz improvisation on violin. And so um, I went there and I just, um, yeah, basically my parents were like, you should just keep going to school and just don't be, you know, what's it called? A bum, <laughs> you know? <laughs> And so uh, that's what I did. And um, no offense to anybody who hasn't gone to college, but you know, uh, yeah. So I went to, I got my degree, but that was the best thing because now I was so focused on what I wanted to do. I was just spending hours and hours and hours just diving into music and just learning all I could. Oh, that's incredible. It's cool that, that you found and someone like Matt Glazer to, to really the only place you could go for it. Um, and how have those elements that you studied film scoring, you can hear some of that beautiful score in, in a lot of your songs. Um, how has that like stayed with you in, in your own music? Well, I always loved, yeah, I never was able to like fuse the two, you know, even my old rock band, Jupiter One, we had orchestral elements, but it wasn't until I started Kishibashi like 10 years ago that um, I really made that a part of my sound because it's, it's hard to do to orchestrate to pop music. You know, it takes a lot of effort to coordinate Absolutely. sounds, you know, so, um, but I could do it. So I decided to just hire myself you know, <laughs> to my own thing. It takes, you know, and then I, and that's how I developed my sound as, as a kind of like hybrid, you know, indie, indie orc, avant yeah. orc pop. <laughs> <laughs> um, I learned that some of the, some of the experimentation and, and things as you developed your sound came from kind of inspiration playing with of Montreal that it was opened your eyes to things that you could do and ways that you could kind of do more unique things. Yeah. I, I was, uh, my gateway into of Montreal was that Kevin Barnes, the basically the creator of all the music, you know, he's like, he, I, I really pushed myself to give him unique sounds that he can do. Cause he can, he's a genius on every instrument mm -hmm. except violin. <laughs> and so like he doesn't you know but he likes strings you know so I, I i recorded a bunch of stuff for him and then i collaborated actually a lot on a couple albums like heavily like put up a lot of like he he's like oh i want this to sound like penderecki or ligeti and i'm like okay no problem you know <laughs> you want you want something really intense and atonal and cluster and get clustered and stuff and yeah so i he he really pushed me to to, to give them new sounds. So that's when I started looping a lot and really diving into creating new sounds. That's the beginning of Kishibashi, yeah. Wow, that's so cool. So before, before um, when did you start looping? When did you learn to, to work in that kind of way? When did that idea come? I had been looping, doing like ambient stuff, like playing, but like actually creating a beat was something I never really did. I think it was until I was touring with, I was touring with, Regina Spector as her violinist. And then she had Reggie Watts, you know who he is? Of course, yeah. Yeah, so he opened up. So like we made a whole like European tour with him and he, he, just, he just showed up with like uh, just his line six looper. 
and like okay. and a bat and his backpack. <laughs> that's that's and that was like I don't, yeah i don't even think he had a mic he just like borrowed the house mic <laughs> but that guy that was inspirational to see him just like have a whole show and i mean he's he's funny as shit you know so but like on, on top of just being a comedian you know he could just like he could play he was really clever like with all his loops and stuff like that and that was, I was like huh wow um he's not losing money on tour <laughs> no. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so that, that was kind of like an inspiration to be like oh let's see what i can do with just my violin and my loops and, I, and originally i had like um a sample pad where i'd have like a drum beat you know and i'd hit okay. it with my drumstick or something and then once like it didn't show up i was like opening up for i can't remember sandry yeah i was off of anyways my it didn't show up in montreal like it my sampler pad and so i had to like beatbox oh and then <laughs> And then I like started, I was like, ah, oh, this is way easier. I don't have to haul around that extra thing. And so wow. then I, yeah. So then I just, um, you know, that's what happens a lot of times. Like even that thing, um, you, sometimes you're forced to do stuff. Like even that, that, that thing where I go out into the audience and play, you know, acoustically at the end of the show. Yeah. You know, that was forced. Cause one time, like the, the venue just like pulled the plug on all our power or something like that, or something happened where we were forced to just finish early oh my gosh i was just like fuck it let's just take let's just go out into the crowd and see what we can do (laughs) that's incredible people people loved it yeah and so now i have to do every show it's part of the show show now that's one of my favorite things i was it's a highlight for me that still remember you walked right past me and yeah it was really cool um and the beatboxing to hear that because i was watching the videos of your concert in utah and you starting to beatbox, I think probably for the first time that night and the crowd went crazy. And so hearing that that wasn't originally part of your live act and then finding, Oh, this is easier. Isn't that so cool? <laughs> it's easy. Yeah. It's not as sharp as like a kick, like in a sampled kick drum, but it's like the idea that you're doing it with your mouth is like pretty cool to see, you know? Yeah. Like that's incredible. So. Um, I'd be remiss. My mom is a huge Regina Spector fan. So I'd love to ask you your favorite Regina <laughs> Spector song or not song. Sorry. Your favorite Regina Spector story. Mm, story. Well, she always picked up dinner, <laughs> which is really nice. <laughs> That's uh, but we, but we never know. We never assume once I was, <laughs> okay, this is funny. I mean, she's really sweet and very generous, uh, but <laughs> we were touring once in Norway and, uh, and like it's Norway's, I don't know. It, may, it probably still is. It's like the most expensive place to to be as an American, you know, with oh. American dollars. Just the conversion rate is it just kills you. Wow. And so, so we were out going out to dinner, and I remember like the cellist Dan Cho was like so nervous, like because he didn't want to spend any money. So she's <laughs> like, "Let's go eat somewhere." And then he's like, oh, "I think we'll just have some soup." So he orders like soup for like twenty dollars, <laughs> and then I'm like like fuck it i'll just have i'll just whatever i'll just you know i'll get what i'll get what i want you know <laughs> <laughs> and then all the time like dan couldn't he was just watching me eat something you know and then he's eating soup you know <laughs> at the end because we didn't you know you can't assume that she's going to pick up the tab of course she often does because she's really generous <laughs> and then finally she picked up the tab and i was just like oh, win <laughs> i took that risk you know, and he didn't take that risk and he just ate soup when he could have. So if it wasn't for Regina Spector in Norway, you may have lost money on tour. <laughs> I may have lost money on tour. That's correct. 
that's amazing. I love it so much. Um, I appreciate your time. I, I like to end my interview. I ask the same five questions to close every interview. So I'd love to ask you those. Go. Um, number one is if you had to choose between breakfast food, lunch food, or dinner food, you could only eat mood food from those f- meal groups for every meal, which would you choose? Oh, uh, lunch. I would say lunch. Okay. Is there a lunch food that that hinges on like a go-to? Oh, no. I'm just thinking of all the lunches I've had and <laughs> compared to all the breakfasts I've had. Dinners. I, oh, you mean you you could wake up with one dinner that you had? You mean like steak? No, you just, any dinner, dinner? just any dinner food. So like for breakfast, you could only have like a what would be like on the dinner menu. Uh, I see. As opposed to lunch, like a sandwich or something. Yeah, that, that's a good one. Yeah. You could eat steak for lunch too. I mean, yeah, that's stop, what's stopping you. That's where that's <laughs> where I like slipped in. That's why I choose breakfast because I'm like, oh, you still have like people love breakfast. Like there's cold pizza, which I don't love. I would sneakily like microwave that. Oh, cold pizza. Huh. I, I love cold pizza. Like when it hasn't been refrigerated, like it's like you, you're out of pizza. You're at a party where there's pizza. Yeah. Yeah. It's been late, late at night. Later yeah. Night. Room yeah. temperature pizza is that's the best. Nice. Okay. I'm still going <laughs> to um, stick with lunch. I think it's a safe choice. Safe choice. No, it's absolutely yeah. a safe choice. Um, number two is your go-to karaoke song. I read a funny karaoke story of you um, playing your own song and only getting 84% on the accuracy <laughs> yeah. score. Yeah, in Japan, they like take karaoke to another level. I mean, they are the creator of karaoke, you know. Yes. So. But they, uh, yeah, they rate you. <laughs> I definitely, yeah. Did not do so well on Mr. Steak. Uh, uh, that's so funny. So what's your go-to karaoke song? I don't know. Okay, karaoke really freaks me out because I'm a singer and a performer. So not uh-huh. knowing the lyrics or not nailing something really stresses me out. <laughs> um, but I can do uh, Warren's Cherry Pie pretty well. Oh, okay, that's a good one. Or I could do, you know, Aha, Take On Me. That's easy for me. So, oh, that's great. It's I a, it's a crowd, ple- to crowd pleaser too. Yeah, because I can hit that high note, you know, so... <laughs> I love it. Um, three is a guilty pleasure you have on tour or on the road. Mm, you mean like Broadway songs? Yeah, that's <laughs> perfect. What 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 specific show? Oh, I don't know. I just like that old fashioned like Camelot and like a lot of like Leonard Bernstein ones. Just, that's like, perfect. Yeah. I, I don't I don't mind listening to Liza Minnelli. You know, <laughs> and I mean a, I mean a lot of a lot of musicians hate. You know, they hate Broadway music. You know? Oh no, I love it. So yeah. you saying that, I'm like, okay, that that's a that's a pleasure of mine. That's not a guilty pleasure for me. <laughs> it's guilty for a lot of musicians. <laughs> let you know. Um, number four is uh, who's a group that you would love to? That's not currently together. That you'd love to have one more EP from? Oh, like Led Zeppelin or something? Yeah, that's. Perfect. You mean you mean that are still alive? Like yeah, John, John Bonham's dead, but. Well, I haven't, I haven't banned any, I haven't done that because usually people go Beatles or things. So it's basically just the, the first group that comes to your mind that you're like, I'd love to hear one more. Um, oh, I project. see. Cause like by the end of Led Zeppelin, I don't know if I'd want another album necessarily <laughs> of their career. Are you yeah. talking about like a band that disbanded in the height of their like creative, like the Beatles, I guess. Yeah. At the height. Hmm. Uh, nope, can't really think. <laughs> I don't know. What, 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 are the, what have other people said? 
um there's been let me think there's been a lot of beatles um we've gotten some one direction a few times <laughs> i'm trying to think and that like came from like the most surprising person said um one what, direction what about like nirvana or something i feel like they could have nirvana yeah nirvana i think that's 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 a great some more stuff that's yeah. common um and then the last question number five is who's an interesting guest that you recommend i have on the road trip playlist podcast oh um yeah talk to reggie watts <laughs> i would love that yeah that's so good and i can i can talk to him about the tour that he went on with just a backpack oh, yeah. and borrowed yeah. mic yeah and then tell him that um ask him how okay basically he didn't show up for half the tour and that's how i got my start because i opened up for region inspector <laughs> ask him why he didn't show up because I, I don't know but thanks <laughs> you know what i mean oh so you don't know why he didn't show up yeah i don't know it, it something like uh he didn't get on the plane and i don't know it's like something medical i don't know but wow see regina was kind of pissed off about it that's all I remember, so. <laughs> well well thank but, you reggie watts because it helped it helped launch kishibashi which yeah that was, a, that was the start of kishibashi so <laughs> that's incredible well thank you so much for your time i can't thank you enough i i really appreciate it and i can't wait to to hear more from your music and also the the, mu the movie to come cool Thanks for having me. Yep. Have a, have a wonderful day. Talk okay, to you too. another time, I hope. Thank you again for listening. Please make sure to go out and listen to Kichibashi's music and especially his new EP, Emigrant. Follow, rate, and review the Road Trip Playlist podcast. Stay tuned next week for a great interview with Bowling for Soup.